1: Austin is adapting to and building the future in real time. I'm Michael Scharf. We are exploring and driving our transformation into the next innovation
2: powerhouse. I'm Jason Sharf, I'm a bio-researcher at UT to the assembly line worker at Tesla, from the musician on 6th Street to the coder at Dell. And with the founders, funders, and early employees at the next great startup, we are all Austin Next.
1: From all of us at the Austin Next Podcast, welcome to 2022. We wanted to start this year with someone well-connected, someone who knows Austin really well. And so we've invited Amber Kunst to join us for the first podcast of the new year. Amber is the CEO of the Austin Technology Council. ATC is the leading voice for technology in Central Texas. Since 1992, ATC has been the informed opinion leader, providing member companies with the insights, Resources and the connections they need to grow and to thrive. Amber first joined the Austin Technology Council in the role of head of sales and membership services. Soon she became the interim CEO and then the CEO of the council. Amber previously spent four years at the Greater Austin Chamber of Commerce, focused on membership and retention. Directly prior to her role at ATC, Gunst worked for a global staffing firm, and this role allowed her to develop a strong understanding of the talent
2: and staffing needs for our region's tech companies. Amber, welcome to the Austin Next Podcast.
0: Thank you, Jason.
2: We really appreciate you joining us today, and we're going to spend some time talking about what we're calling the Austin narrative and the superpowers behind it. Given your background and experience, how would you describe what's going on in Austin today?
0: You know, it's, it's an interesting question. I think there are a lot of people who keep Pushing on, are we the next Silicon Valley or the Silicon Hills? Are we the next this, the next that? And I think what we are is we're just a continuing evolution of what Austin is and what Austin has been. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth. We're seeing a lot of people come here, but that's because we have a stable economy. That's because we have a stable environment within what we're working with in Central Texas. And we also have a focus as a region, as opposed to we're just trying to have our city be the big winner. And I think when you, when you put all of this aspect together and you have this very collaborative nature, people are attracted to that. And, you know, there's a very unique thing in Austin in which people actually want to help each other. They, they want to see growth. They want to see the advancement. They want to see people have opportunity. They want to see what else we can do and and what else we can create here. And I think that's what makes it unique. And I think just that humble roots and that, you know, we're going to, we're going to make it work no matter what aspect that the people that are originally from Austin, the people that came here or have been coming here over the last 50 years and and the folks that are, are identifying that now are attracted to it.
2: I've definitely noticed, you know, 10, 15 years ago at the peak of, you know, Silicon Valley, you always wanted to, as you said, you wanted to be the next Silicon Valley. And that's when we saw the Silicon Hills, Silicon Alley, Silicon Beach, and but it's definitely, at least in the year that I've been here, and the couple of years that we've been following Austin, it's now it's we're the first Austin, and and what does that kind of mean?
0: Yeah, and I think that's important. I was in Salt Lake or I was in Utah this past spring, and and I was looking at some stuff in Salt Lake City, and they were like, oh, we're Silicon Slopes, and I think that there is this aspect to attach yourself to something that's bigger and something that's shinier and something that's brighter which silicon valley has had a lot of success and they've done some really amazing things. I mean, most of the technology that I have at my disposal comes out of silicon valley or the original ideas out of there. So, so it's not to take anything away from it, but I think that cities become more, you know, they they become more prosperous and and they they lift up their citizens much higher and they provide more opportunities for people who were born here or moved to that city if they're if they're focused on becoming their own city as opposed to the next something.
2: Yeah I know that makes a lot of sense. So how does the Austin Technology Council kind of fit into this innovation ecosystem?
0: You know it's interesting I I, I bemoan a lot and not in a negative way but just in a ugh, you know understand what that Austin is more way that the press outside of Austin and, and even some of the press within Austin is very focused on Austin as a scrappy little startup city. And we are. We, we've got a scrappy little startup scene. Most cities that have a tech focus and have tech entrepreneurs and growth have a scrappy little startup scene. Austin is so much more than that. They have. We have established technology companies, companies that have been around for more than 30 years. We have companies that, you know, if you look at NI, if you look at Dell, if you look at Silicon Labs. Those companies have been around for a very long time. They have a lot of structure. They have a lot of growth. If you look at PlanView, they've been around for a very long time. They were founded out of here and they're a software company. We have these really strong, really wonderful relationships with these companies, but there's not higher and they provide more opportunities for people who were born here or moved to that city if they're, if they're focused on becoming their own city, as opposed to the next something.
2: Yeah, I know that makes a lot of sense. So how does the Austin Technology Council kind of fit into this innovation ecosystem?
0: You know, it's interesting. I, I, I bemoan a lot and not in a negative way, but just in a, ugh, you know, understand what that Austin is more way. That the press outside of Austin and, and even some of the press within Austin is very focused on Austin as a scrappy little startup city. And we are. We, we've got a scrappy little startup scene. Most cities that have a tech focus and have tech entrepreneurs and growth have a scrappy little startup scene. Austin is so much more than that. They have, We have established technology companies, companies that have been around for more than 30 years. We have companies that, you know, if you look at NI, if you look at Dell, if you look at Silicon Labs. Those companies have been around for a very long time. They have a lot of structure. They have a lot of growth. If you look at PlanView, they've been around for a very long time. They were founded out of here and they're a software company. We have these really strong, really wonderful relationships with these companies, but there's not a lot of groups that are out there supporting them or or providing services to them because there's just so much. So you look at the Chamber, and the Chamber does so much good within Central Texas. But they're doing good for every industry, for every business sector. So whether you own a sub shop, you, own, you're, you run a hospital system, you're a president of a bank, or you're a technology company, the chamber is going to reach out and they're going to help you and they're going to make life better for you. And yes, they have a big staff, but that's still a big job to do. So they can't cover everything. So what ATC does is we focus on the established technology companies, 65% of our membership has between 2 million and 120 million in revenue. And in Austin, when you look at that range, that's the fastest growing and scaling companies that are in Austin. 30% of our membership has north of 120 million in revenue, but 100% of our members have product and service on the market and have done customer acquisition. So they're not in those early stages. And there are some really fantastic groups in Austin that are focused on those early stage companies and those idea stage companies. And we like to support those groups, and we like to applaud the work that they're doing. And and whenever somebody comes to us, and they're not quite product is on the market, we've done customer acquisition. We always recommend people get involved with those groups because they're specializing in helping companies develop and create. We're specializing in okay, you've done that. Now you're trying to scale. Now you're trying to have some sort of successful exit, whether you're acquired by somebody, you go into private equity, or you do an IPO, that's where we go in and play.
2: No, I mean that's one of the reasons I think we've tried to continually to use the word innovation ecosystem necessarily than startup ecosystem. One, obviously, you have considerable growth in those kind of you said two to hundred million, it's the scale ups and creating the next billion dollar companies. But there's also lots of interactions between the two of them, right? You have people being the acquirers. I mean, that's when you see real the real flywheel kind of go into effect when. Austin companies are buying Austin companies, right? And then that becomes a really interesting uh, dynamic as well. This thing also pulling, you said, you know, the, all of the, the media and the narrative, right, about, you know, the scrappy startup scene. Here's something that we've seen that, that just, it, it's really interesting if you look at. If you ask, I think, person on the street or even the national media, where does Austin rank in terms of the, the major ecosystems? And I've kind of done this, seen this, this, I've kind of done this as a little bit of a test, right? Pretty consistently, everybody says we're fifth, right? So that's kind of just behind the majors of Silicon Valley, New York, LA, and Boston. Now, what is interesting to me, however, is if you actually look at snapshot data, I don't care if it's amount of VC funding, number of Fortune 500 companies, number of startups, whatever. We actually, from a data perspective, tend to sit around number 10. Now, from the growth metrics, that's obviously something different. We are, you know, we're considerably higher than 10. But what is just really interesting to me is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We continue to punch above our weight in the narrative than what the data actually shows. So what do you think drives this ability for us to rank considerably higher in the zeitgeist than we do in our actual, you know, data position?
0: Yeah, I think when you look at what Austin has created in the last... 20 years. So let's go back to 2001 when the tech bust hit and there were a few big companies that were bringing a lot of people into Austin from from the West Coast and the East Coast and we're going to we're going to give you these jobs, we're going to do all these things. This was in the late 90s. 2001 comes along and the tech bust hits and these folks got laid off in droves and they lost their jobs and they couldn't find jobs because there weren't enough jobs for people to hire. So what a lot of these folks did was they started companies or they started doing consulting work. And that was brilliant because where that scrappiness comes from in Austin, it's because these folks had to get scrappy and they had to be really conservative about everything that they did. So when you see the amount of funding that's going into the East coast and the West coast, that's because they're used to taking down those big, huge rounds. They're used to spending that money in different ways. In Austin, we can get the same result. We can build strong companies. We can develop strong companies. But we're going to do it probably with a little bit less funding. And we're going to do it so that when we have an exit, we can have a successful exit. And our people who help us build our businesses get paid out on that equity. And we're looking at it from the aspect of, you know, we're we're going to actually build culture based on what we want our company to look like and feel like instead of, well, we're going to have a foosball, a kegerator, and everybody's getting a road bike and a Fitbit. And, and and there's been those companies in Austin. Absolutely. And typically, when you see those companies raise capital and they start talking about, well, we're going to start doing things to treat our employees, or, or you hear that that's what they're spending the money on you know that within 18 months, they're probably going to start doing layoffs and they're going to do some of these other things. What I see really interesting about Austin founders and Austin entrepreneurs and Austin executives is that they've seen that, they've been through that, they've done that, that's happened to them. And so they're taking a little bit more of a conservative approach and they're working a little bit harder in their businesses. Not that they're working harder in the aspect of they're so much better, but if you're a technical founder, you're probably coding a little bit longer than somebody from the Valley or the East Coast is coding. Um, you're probably developing and building tech a little bit longer than the other ones are doing it. If you're if you're a creative founder, so you're in the sales or you're in the marketing aspect, you're probably running those sales and those marketing divisions a little bit longer and you're probably doing that function a little bit longer than people from each of the coasts. So I think the reason that, that we're ranking fifth when really metrics wise, it looks like 10, it's because we're doing it predominantly on our own. We're putting our own sweat equity into our businesses for a longer term time period, which gives us that opportunity to build really strong businesses and to create better opportunities for folks. And you know, you, you look at someone like Brett Hurt, who's built up several businesses now, whenever he builds a new business, the first thing he does is he goes in and starts coding. And I've had conversations with Brett. He loves to code. That's what he's excited about. Tyson Tuttle. I had lunch with him a couple of months ago, and he was talking about his engineering days. and And even though he wasn't the founder of, of Silicon Labs, he was still CEO for a long time. and And he still reminisced about his days doing that. Looking at people that come from a finance perspective, they they like to they get passionate about when I was a CFO or when I was this or that. And, and I think people have a love for that here and that role that, that originally got them to a growth stage. And so they're focused on how do I take those things that I love and how did I take those things that I'm really good at and help steer this company, which saves money over time. It, it lessens the equity spread that you're seeing. And, and the hope is to be able to provide a better outcome for the people that come in and help build these businesses.
2: This cu- the culture is almost what's getting out first before the funds and revenue and all of that. And that just that permeates not just in Austin, but outside Austin. And it makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, and it helps too that, you know, the relocations of company headquarters. So you've got Tesla and you've got Oracle that are probably the biggest names. If you look at the investment that Google has put into hiring and Facebook that has put into hiring here in Austin, if you look at the Samsung investment that has gone in here and BAE systems and all of these other companies that are major global entities, they're coming in here, they're putting that investment here, they're actually building up here. But then you look at someone like Whitney Wolf heard and what she's done with Bumble and, and taking it to an IPO, and mm-hmm. you look at Commerce and SailPoint and the fact that they did this too, and, and all of these companies doing all of these things and the M&A work that's going on here, and not just Austin companies buying Austin companies, but Austin companies saying, hey, we're going to go buy this company in, in the U.K., Mm-hmm. Or we're going to go buy this company in South Korea, that expansion, that global aspect. So yeah, I'm excited about the idea of Austin companies acquiring Austin companies, but I'm even more excited about Austin companies acquiring other companies around the globe.
2: No, absolutely. It's, it's the, the presence becomes much greater than just our our footprint here. So I'm excited to kind of dig in a little bit here. So some context, we've been here for just about a, a little over a year now. And you know the, we've been doing this podcast for about six months, and through our conversations, both on air and around, we've had some interesting observations of what you know, as we said, what we think is kind of behind some of the narrative. So want to kind of throw some of these superpowers that we're kind of looking at by you and and think about you know what do you think and how much are they driving so the first one I want to kind of talk about is I'm calling it the power of and, and when you mm-hmm. think about a lot of places that aren't able to make that step from we have some stuff here into actually being an innovation powerhouse it tends to be very singular in nature we have you know one in, uh, academic institution we have one industry and i think what's really interesting here and i see it at least a couple across a couple of different things so one Our sector diversity is just crazy, right? We have CPG and life science and space and uh, electric vehicles and consumer uh, internet and B2B software. And it is this, just this wide variety, both as an opportunity to hit lots of shots on goal, but also as a hedge against any sort of recessionary environment so that, you know, you're going to have, okay, they're all going to have their own singular ups and downs and the other big and that I think is really interesting is that we we build intangible objects and physical objects. And that, I think, when we get back to the conversation about we're not the next Silicon Valley, we're the first Austin, but there are certain rhymes in history. I actually think we have the opportunity to be Silicon Valley at its peak and Detroit at its peak. Where you kind of building things that everybody uses, both on the computer and software, and build the things that either physically get them around or that sit with them. So, what do you think?
0: Well, as a Michigander, I like that you brought up Detroit. Uh, so, I, you know, I moved here 12 years ago from Michigan in the height of the the Great Recession, and and Michigan is based on essentially two industries. There's there's multiple industries in Michigan, just as there are in any state, but If you look at Detroit, it's predominantly the automotive industry. If you look at Grand Rapids, which was the city that I worked in, I didn't live there, but I worked in, it was predominantly furniture manufacturing with some automotive manufacturing in there because automotive is a big aspect to the state of Michigan. In fact, the entire Midwest and the town that I lived in, Muskegon That was predominantly going to be somewhere around the automotive industry and the the furniture industry as well from a manufacturing perspective. So high manufacturing state, highly skilled labor in manufacturing. I think there are a lot of people that think manufacturing jobs are just something you go do when you have a high school education without understanding that there's a lot of technical skill that goes into that, especially when you get into CAD design. When you look at Austin and go, again, going back to 2001, which was the big crash here, what happened at that time is you had entities that came together and formed Opportunity Austin, which is a regional look and an economic development initiative to to bring jobs and bring opportunity to a five-county region. So this included Travis County, Williamson, Caldwell, Bastrop, and Hayes. And, And it didn't just include their chambers of commerce or their economic development divisions, it included the state government, it included the city governments, it included the county governments, it included all of the business councils and associations within those regions or within those counties that came together and said, we want to try to solidify, we want to try to grow this. And so what that did is that looked at and said, we, we needed a diverse economy because Austin got hit so hard because we were relying so hard on hardware and software technology, as opposed to looking at all of the different aspects. So all those different industries that you brought up some of them have been in different pockets of the region for a while, but really that growth has been over the last twenty years, and it wasn't accidental. It was designed for a very long time. I was at the chamber for 2009 to 2013, and I remember having a conversation with Adriana Cruz, who's actually now with the governor's office on economic development, and was the well she she was an s she was a VP in economic development at the chamber while I was there. And then she went to go run the San Marcos Economic Development Council for several years as their CEO before moving to the governor's office. And I remember Adriana and I having a conversation about manufacturing and because I come from a manufacturing state. So it's something I'm passionate about and it's something I believe in. And I know it creates amazing jobs and opportunities for people and their families. And we talked about the biggest struggle that she had in manufacturing and and trying to attract manufacturing companies. And it was that they were worried about the skilled labor. They were worried about the amount of space that was available. And this was back in 2013. And so this was an effort that Opportunity Austin, this entire group, put together to say, if these are the struggles we're seeing in manufacturing, this is why we're not bringing these manufacturing jobs together. Let's figure out the solution. So what I like about This regional effort. And it is a full regional effort. It's housed out of the Chamber of Commerce, but it is a full regional effort. And the Chamber will be the first people to tell you it's not just the job that they're doing. But the fact that everybody came together and said, How do we solve this problem? And how do we create this? And how do we do this together and collaboratively? And how does it benefit everyone? That's something that happens. So you look at Tesla and you look at the fact that we won that. And that was a big deal. You look at Samsung and the fact that we won that, and that was a big deal. You had executives from different counties, economic development corporations, supporting those deals, landing in Dell Valley, landing in Taylor. We wanted those for our region. So it wasn't, oh, you should come to my town instead of their town. Once we knew they were narrowing in and zeroing in on these areas, the entire region came together to support and promote Winning those deals. So it's not just, hey, this one little thing happened or this thing happened. It's everybody pulls together. Everybody does this because when those deals are won, everyone celebrates it and it benefits everyone because that Samsung fab going into Taylor is going to benefit people all over the region. The same thing with Tesla, it's benefiting people all over the region. So that's our focus and and that's why we keep winning these deals.
1: I want to dig in a little bit on the opportunity, Austin, um, because we are relatively new, as Jason said, to Austin, mm-hmm. and you don't hear about it very much. A very similar thing happened where we used to live in San Diego as the, you know, when we had the, the peace dividend in the mid-90s, and in San Diego, it was very much built around a defense community, and it was an extraordinary event for people to come together and leave their parochial interests at the door. And it sounds like that's what happened here in Opportunity, Austin. How did it get started? And
0: it was an initiative that came predominantly out of the chambers. And again, this was 2001. I didn't move here until 2009. So, so this is a little bit hearsay. But I worked for the chamber for four years, so I know I know enough to be dangerous here. But it. It really came from the economic development corporations and the chambers coming together in the counties and, and really saying, how, how do we do this? Now, leadership initially came out of the Austin chamber because that the Austin chamber actually housed the economic development corporation for Austin as well at the time. But it wasn't just, hey, we've got this idea and we think this is what everybody should do. It was, let's all come together. Let's look at the problems that we're all experiencing and let's talk about potential solutions and how we can do that. So they raised a fund of money and they raised that money from local businesses and local business leaders saying, hey, this is what we want to do. So it again, it's not just these groups. They've raised millions upon millions of dollars at this point to do this work. And they're raising money from law firms, from CPA firms, from the banks, from, you know, businesses that you don't even think are going to potentially do it. You know, family offices are investing in this. And they put that investment in there because they want to invest in our region. It's not just about this is going to benefit me. Now it does end up benefiting these businesses because with these with these extra companies coming in, there's more opportunities and there's more need for things that go into it. But and, and there's more business opportunities for them as well. But it's really about we want to see everybody succeed. So opportunity Austin is is about more than just bringing jobs here. It's about Helping build education initiatives throughout the region so that even if your child doesn't want to go to college, they have access to training for skilled labor jobs that give them an opportunity to do really great work. It's going into political action committee aspects. So, Dell Medical, that is here. Opportunity Austin developed a political action committee to be able, or, well, the chamber built a political action committee, but Opportunity Austin contributed to it because it was a regional aspect to help get that bond initiative passed so that we could get that medical school here. Breckenridge at the the time, it it needed to be torn down. It it was outdated, great staff, amazing care there, but it was a hospital that was built in the fifties or the sixties, I can't remember exactly when. And it just wasn't functioning in the way that a modern medical institution needed to, especially for a region that was expanding so much. So you saw people who, even though they lived in San Marcos, if if a family member or a loved one was diagnosed with a specific disease like cancer, MS, or, or anything else, they were either going to Houston or they were going to Dallas. That's a really significant distance, especially when you're living in a major metro area that doesn't really have the opportunity to provide medical care at a research level. So it's not that we didn't have great hospitals in the area. We didn't have the research hospitals in the area. And that is a really critical aspect. And it was actually one of the biggest shocks that I had in moving to Austin. I remember moving here and saying, where's our Where's our university medical system? And they said, oh, that's like in Houston and Galveston and Dallas. I'm like, Galveston, what are you talking about? So, you know, great, great school out in Galveston. I know that now. But when I first moved here, I was like, Galveston? And and so this is just an opportunity for, for Austin and for our region to have state-of-the-art medical research and, and facilities here. So again, it's about more than just let's bring jobs here, let's bring businesses here. It's let's make sure we've got great K-12 through 12 education. Let's make sure we've got colleges and universities that are being supported here. Let's make sure we've got great Head Start programs. Let's make sure that We've got all these different aspects because we need to have talented people entering the workforce and at all
1: levels. There you go. Absolutely. I want to get back to the next superpower that we see for, for Austin, and that's the flywheel effect. People, companies, capital moving to Austin, which creates more opportunities, which drives more people, company, and capitals moving to Austin. And eventually it becomes enough of a critical mass that it's a gravitational pull, if you will. From other locations to here in central Texas. What do you think about that?
0: That that's a great question. When you look at at the number of people that have moved here, and I remember talking with Sharice Bodish at the chamber. We we known each other for years and we did a check-in at the beginning of the COVID pandemic in March of 20. I think it was actually early April of 20. We we got on the phone together and like, how are you doing? What's going on? She was asking me the same questions and and I remember us very naively at the time going, oh, we think everything's going to slow down and stop. And, and I think it was like a month later, we saw that it wasn't. People were still moving here. You had all of these people coming here. And I think that when you look at the series that, that Jim Breyer has been doing about you know, why, why companies should look at moving to Austin or hiring employees in Austin and why investors should invest in Austin-based companies and why Austin is you know his go-to on the map and not just because he's the biggest UT fan. I've met and I've met a lot of big UT fans. But really looking at all of these different aspects and and knowing that that this growth is happening and and it's coming and and it's been coming. It's it's not something that's brand new. Before the pandemic we were we were averaging 150 people moving here every day. During the pandemic it went up to 165. So That's definitely a pretty significant growth number in a year and a half. We do have people moving out, but we've got more people moving in than are moving out. And so, what we need to focus on right now, because this growth is not going to stop, it's going to continue. It's going to continue expanding. And it's not just Austin, it's the entire region. But what we need to focus on is we need to focus on building a transportation and traffic infrastructure that is going to make it possible for people to be able to live here in a way that they're not sitting on Mopac or 35 or hours at a time trying to get to and from. We need to build more affordable housing so that people who provide services or provide essential needs that we have. And and part of those essential needs are people who work in the food service industry or people who provide entertainment for our entertainment district, which we love so much. Being able to provide affordable housing for those folks is critical. And being able to provide density planning, in the aspect of look at the domain and how much it's growth and look at how much people enjoy being at the domain, looking at downtown and seeing the growth that's happening there, but also looking at the new development, the Grove in the Rosedale area where you've got that. So doing more planning where we're we're creating opportunities for people to live and work and do their shopping and be able to be walkable is going to be really key. So I think making an effort into actually planning for our city instead of just seeing what happens because if we if' we're, if we're deliberate about how we plan for our city, we can keep our charm. we can keep our history. we can keep these neighborhoods that we love so much and that that are important to us and still have the growth that we need. we just need to be deliberate and we need to be thoughtful about how we're planning for that growth. And I think that's the biggest challenge that we have there. And if we don't start doing those things now, the growth is going to be unsustainable for us. And and it's going to be miserable to live here. And we know it's going to be miserable to live here because we've seen it happen in other cities and other regions that didn't actually plan for that. And we don't want anybody living in a U-Haul in a parking lot because they're making six figures and that's all they can afford.
2: We, we, and we've not seen that happen anywhere else.
0: <laughs> it's never happened anywhere. I'm not, I'm not naming names, but it it's happened.
2: <laughs> so for kind of the, our next observation, uh, you actually hit it already, which is just, it shows how much that it is, is the open network and the culture of help. And it has been shocking to me. And I mean, this in the best possible way, the, how quickly I said in a year we've developed strong networks here and how deep I, I tend to think of the, the innovation ecosystem as the onion, right? You have the multiple layers as you get deeper down and how deep into the onion that we've gotten. And it's been driven by a couple of things. One is people wanting to introduce you to other people saying they're going to do it. And then actually doing it, which is a surprise, sometimes a surprising thing, right? When 80% well, of people you have to
0: remind us to do it, but we definitely want to,
2: when, when 80% of the time they actually follow through, which is set sometimes a reflection on other places. It's like, wow. Okay. Then that you actually meet others. And then just, I said, the openness, um, you know, I, I was uh, invited to an event with a, a number of venture capitalists that probably had a few billion under management in that room. And when I look at other places, you know, in San Diego, that room didn't necessarily exist. And if I was in New York or Silicon Valley, there's not a chance I would have ever gotten into that room. But mm-hmm. due to the fact people say, hey, this is an interesting opportunity and I want to bring you to this type of thing. That is a really unique situation that I found in Austin that I definitely want one of those as we, as you continue to have people come in, that we keep that, right? And that they keep that kind of, that type of culture and that type of networking and openness.
0: And Jason, I don't think we're going to see that go away because we we've seen in Austin and and sometimes people write articles and put them out there that if that's not your attitude and that's not your mentality, you don't fit in here. And we don't want people to, to feel like they don't fit in here. But if you're choosing to not to fit in, or if you have an elitist aspect to how you're viewing things, that's not going to play well in this community. It's just, it's, it's not how we operate. This is a small town. Everybody knows everybody, sort of thing. And so, you know, and and we've got some really amazing CEOs that are here, and and some really fantastic people who their focus is how can I help others and what can I do to help others. I think you know, looking at servant leadership and look at someone like Mark McLean from SailPoint and the fact that that's what he leads with every day. He just had. He just had a post on LinkedIn talking about servant leadership and talking about the importance of being focused on, on the right things. And you know, you, you look at someone like Janice Omendecki, who chose to be in Austin because and chose to build her company mentor method here in Austin because of the, the outpouring of support that she received from the community and not just the folks that were involved with Mass Challenge, which is what initially brought her here, but everyone that she met, everyone that she spent time with made her feel welcome and let her know that they wanted her to be here. And I think that's what makes Austin special. There's no one that is unwilling to help another person. And and there's no one that's not,